From BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan, with your host, Shane Frederick. This is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan. My name is Shane Frederick. I'm the host. And joining me today, it's a very wonderful treat to have Mr. Dan Myers on. Hello, Dan. How are you? It's good to be with you, Freddie. This is uh, you know you and I have watched a lot of hockey together over the years. A lot of bad hockey, some, <laughs> a lot some of good, good hockey, some good hockey, but a lot of bad hockey. It's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. You bet. Dan is the uh, digital content coordinator for the Minnesota Wild, and uh, he will be coming down to Mankato this week for Hockey Day Minnesota uh, as a representative of the Wild, working their uh, media doing some of their digital content. We read a lot of stories by Dan um, on the coverage from the week, which will be a lot of fun. And there'll definitely be a lot of coverage going on. I'll be there uh, on the weekend and uh, it should be great. But Dan and I go back quite a ways to the days, uh, to the salad days of Minnesota State Hockey. (laughs) Um, And part of my 20 years uh, covering the Minnesota State Mavericks, Dan, uh, was the uh, sports uh, beat writer, hockey beat writer for the um, the Re- MSU Reporter, and uh, did a great job as a college journalist, and um, you know just had a love for college hockey, and um, you know turned that into a career, and it was it was a lot of it's been a lot of fun to see uh, Dan's growth there. So, um, but we're here to talk a little bit about the Mavericks. A um, little perspective from the Twin Cities, from uh, super alum, super fan, uh, Dan. <laughs> Absolute friend of the program. Absolute friend of the program and, um, and, and hockey day. So I guess, first of all, Dan, I just have to ask you, um, I'm sure it's been fun to watch the Mavericks from afar and, and get down here from time to time, but just your impressions of, of Minnesota State this season. They're coming off a road split at Northern Michigan lost on Friday night. I think that's the third time they've gone to Michigan lost on Friday and then turned around and then won on Saturday. Um, and now they have St. Thomas coming up this week with uh, going up to the twin cities to play the Tommies on Thursday. And then of course, hockey day on Saturday. Uh, so Dan, your, your impressions so far of uh, the now number two Mavericks. It's hard not to be impressed uh, just the consistency with which this team kind of goes about its business every weekend, uh, you know, starting in goal with, with Dryden McKay. He's been so much fun to watch every weekend. Um, just puts on a show. I think you and I have talked about this before. Minnesota State doesn't give up much in terms of uh, quantity. Uh, you know, we've seen a couple of 12 save shutouts or, you know, five save shutout. I think he had maybe against St. Thomas earlier this year, but it seems like he gives up a lot of quality. Uh, and I think that, you know, may have bit him a little bit on Friday night, you know, against Northern Michigan this past weekend. But for the most part, just a really entertaining brand of hockey to watch. And I think that's what's made that team so popular within the the community down there in Mankato. And you, know, you talked about how, you, you know, you and I have watched a lot of hockey going back to those salad days. Back when people in Mankato used to come to what was then the Altel Center and then the uh, Verizon or, you know, we might have even gone back to the Midwest Wireless Civic Center days, but you know, people were coming to the games then to watch Minnesota, to watch Wisconsin or North Dakota, 
you know, and very few people were, were coming watch Minnesota state in terms of, you know, you have half the building as the opposing team's fans. And now that building is packed every week. We saw a couple of weeks ago, I was in town for the Duluth game, 5,000 plus, and it was 5,000 plus Minnesota state fans. And it's so refreshing as an alum and as someone who's watched a lot of hockey in that building now to see that community rally behind this team. It's easy to see why they win a lot of games, of course, but it's entertaining hockey. It's a possession-based team. Uh, they score a lot of goals. They have a great goaltender. They have, you know, they're very well coached, very sound team on special teams on both sides. And it's, I think, a team that can go a long ways this year. They got a lot of important experience going to the national tournament last year, finally getting that monkey off their backs in terms of advancing beyond the first round. And I honestly think this, this year's team might be a, a deeper team and a better team. And I think mentally is actually probably better equipped now that they have that experience to go on a deep run this year. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And in fact, I, I look at their, I, I think their strength is, is their defense for sure. Uh, I, I think they're the depth that they have at the back end. Um, you know, you, it's interesting. You talk to uh, the coaches, you know, around college hockey and they added the extra skater, they call it, um, you know, that might be a 16th forward um, or a seventh defenseman. Minnesota state usually make um, has different years. It's been different. And this year it seems to be a case where they play an extra defenseman in that spot. And that person doesn't sit on the bench very long. That person gets, a lot of regular shifts because they're that deep. So it's not just a, another body out there. It seems to be a very uh, good rotation, uh, whether it's an opportunity to uh, double shift someone like uh, Jake Livingstone or a chance to spell someone <laughs> for, for a shift. They don't really lose a beat no matter who they put out there. Um, I look at Bennett Smolik, like a freshman, uh, brother of Reese Smolik, who was such a solid, solid defenseman for four years here. And uh, he came in and you could tell he was a freshman, uh, a little skinny, you know, games a little bit faster than junior hockey. Um, we're coming on the end of uh, January now, and he's starting to figure it out. He's starting to really play uh, excellent hockey and fit into that decor really well. So to your point, uh, and you have a goaltender back there who is mostly going to bail you out. I mean, I watched the highlights of Friday's game and um, they gave up a few odd man rushes and breakaways that turned into goals, which is something Northern Michigan can do and they can make you pay. But um, for the most part, their D are very sound. And then, as you mentioned, you go up front and, and the depth is there too. The names aren't all familiar because I, I think if you look back at the COVID year, and uh, then the group before that that graduated who were just basically for four years were staples in the lineup. Um, I think people are still trying to figure out who some of these guys are, um, but they're all starting to make a name for themselves. And it's kind of a lot of fun. Well, when you look at, you know, Bennett Smolik in particular, he seems to have kind of carved out that role as the seventh defenseman, at least lately. He's, he's the guy that's been getting that, that call and, him coming in as a freshman, obviously this Molik name, we, we saw what Reese did there. And one of Mike Hastings favorite players that he's ever coached, um, you know, just all around a great player, but a great person, a great leader. And just think of how valuable that experience is for Bennett Smolik getting to watch uh, McNeely with his hundred 
50 games of college experience and, and Wyatt Ahmet with his hundred plus games of college experience and Andy Carroll. I mean, it's just, you get to watch those veterans and get a front row seat to how those guys conduct their business every single night. I know up here talking with some of these, you know, young guys in the NHL, um, you know, a guy like Kalen Addison, for example, gets to come up here and watch players like Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodine kind of hone their craft it's invaluable what those guys can learn coming up in here as newcomers and watching how these true pros go about their business. And we were commenting, uh, Bruce Siski, the, the Duluth radio play-by-play guy, when I was doing the game a couple weeks ago, just looking up and down that Maverick lineup and even the, the UMD lineup, it was amazing uh, how many guys had 100 games experience, 140, 150 games of experience. You know, Reggie Lutz up front's closing in or, you know, has reached, I think, 160 games of college experience. And just being around those guys and seeing how they go about their business, not only in the games, but at practice, going to class, you know, managing their time, things like that. It's invaluable. And, and, you know, to your point with some of those guys up front in talking to Ryan Sandlin, talking to Scott Sandlin and Mike Hastings about, you know, just how – valuable that experience for Ryan Sandlin was you, you I know you've talked about this in some of your previous editions of this podcast you know he came in as a freshman and he didn't necessarily get to play every night he was that 16th forward or that 16th guy or however you could that 13th forward however you want to kind of classify that and he had We're to earn his on there, so it was yeah the- <laughs> the 13th forward. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I'm, we're writers. We're, we're English guys. We're not math guys, but that experience that he had to kind of have to come in and earn his way, force his way into the lineup. And you look at where he is now as a junior leading this team in goals. Um, you know, it really forces these guys to work and earn a role and, and play and adapt their games. You know, a guy like Ryan Sound scored a lot of goals in junior hockey. It's not that easy at the college level. And so you have to learn to play the game different ways. And I think that pays off for these guys down the stretch as they carve out those bigger roles. And eventually once they advance to uh, whatever it is they want to do professionally beyond Minnesota state. Well, and that's, and and it's interesting. I've, we've talked about that on on this uh, podcast as before with Ryan Sandlin, Kate Borchert, um, you know, just, you know, guys who've had to wait their turn and it's harder and harder and harder for players to accept um, that role of waiting your turn that, Hey, you know, you're going to get to play a little bit this year, but you see the openings are coming next year because of people graduating, people signing, but people are impatient and human nature. It seems like it's getting more difficult. It's uh, it's easier to, transfer, whether you, you know, say what you will about the transfer portal or what you would, what you will about player, uh, empowerment. Um, you know, there's, I, I'm never really one to criticize too much of that because of, of people needing to do what they need to do for themselves and what they feel is best for their own situation. But I also think there, uh, you can be rewarded for having kind of that stick to to say, all right, I'm not ready for that role yet. That's why I'm playing 10 of 30 games or whatever it might be. And then when you do get your chance, you come in and shine. And you, those are two examples of Kate Borchardt, Ryan Sandlin. Um, well, it's, uh, it's leadership too, Freddie. I mean, it, you know, 
Ryan Sandlin, you ask him who some of his great influences were when he was that guy who was a 13th forward. He talks about Nick Rivera. He talks about Mark Michaelis and just the example they set for him. And now as he gets to be older, he gets to be the guy that, you know, sets that example for, you know, a, a Kranich or a Grega, some of these guys that are, are coming in as younger players and trying to find a kind of carve out their own roles. And that's the, the mark of a true program. I think when you, when you're able to stack captains now, like this team has, when you think about Michaelis into Reese Smolik and now into Wyatt Ahmed and it's so much of the, the talk is leadership nowadays. And I, I, again, I'll bring it back to what we're seeing with, with the team in Minnesota, with the wild right now is there's been a complete kind of culture change this season. And you can tell in the locker room and that starts with the guys who wear the letters. And I think, you know, being captain uh, is sometimes overblown and the guy wearing the C can be overblown, but when that leader, you know, sets the tone and for the entire locker room and holds himself to the same standards that he holds the guy who's the 13th forward or the seventh defenseman in a, on the, on an every night basis, it, it really trickles down and it, it sets the foundation for the program. And I think it makes guys want to stick it out and want to, uh, you know, see what happens. Of course, it helps too when you're winning and when yeah. you're the winningest program in the last 10 years, uh, you know, you can look back and Ryan Sandlin can tell you, Hey, you know what? I started as the 13th forward, but as a sophomore, I got more playing time. And as a junior, now I'm playing on a first or second line role. I'm playing on the power play. You can do that too. You just got to bide your time. You got to work in practice and it makes the entire program, I think a whole lot better. And it's something that frankly, we didn't see 10 or 15 years ago with this program. I think there were guys that sometimes thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was and they either sort of mailed it in or they left or they never amounted to what their true potential was. I think back to, uh, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but uh, you know, Max Gady, you think about him as being a former NHL draft pick, I think didn't really understand what it was going to be like coming in as a college player early on. And finally, as an upperclassman, he sort of bought into the fact that he was going to have to make his mark as a fourth liner. And by the time he was a senior, he was a really, really impactful player and a really important player for this team as it started to kind of find itself and build into what it is now. And it's invaluable when you, when you look at it, he was able to carve out a great role for himself. And it sort of started this trend of guys that are able to make these impacts from all over the lineup. And that's what makes this team so dangerous as a four line, three pair uh, team weekend in and weekend out. Yeah. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about, uh, hockey day. This is where your worlds uh, collide a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know every time there was a hockey day, it, it seemed like I would write a column saying, you know, when are we going to get this to Mankato? How are we going to get this to Mankato? Uh, and I never really heard necessarily a lot of people other than kind of, you know, giving me the thumbs up like, yeah, how are we going to do that? When are we going to get that? Um, but, you know, it's here now and it's going to be, they're going to knock it out of the park. I mean, the, you know, we're recording this on Monday night. Uh, the rink's been open for two days. Uh, there's been youth hockey games being played on it uh, um, all day yesterday, all day today. Uh, I believe tomorrow as well. Wednesday, things ramp up a little bit with some high school games. Um, it's 
really exciting to have this event coming um, because it means so much to the hockey community throughout the state. And it's really meaning a lot to the, the people of Mankato. Uh, I know, you know, it's, it's been a few years, Dan, but I, I know that uh, you as well try to get this ball rolling a little bit, contact a few people and, um, and, and maybe it was some of those conversations early on that um, maybe didn't necessarily put the wheels in motion, but certainly gave people some information as to how the process works and how, how you can get an event like this to this community, as opposed to for a lot of people waiting uh, to be recognized and then make, uh, make the community a, a proactive one instead of one that was, you know, just kind of crossing their fingers and hoping uh, Mankato would be picked. Well, I, I kind of refer to myself as the head cheerleader in this whole process. <laughs> uh, you know, just a little bit of the backstory. You know, I started with the Wild with the organization in September of 2016. And I don't really know, remember what made me kind of jog my memory. Maybe it was an ad or something. And I believe Hockey Day that first year, so it would have been January of 2017, I believe it was in Stillwater. Um, and, you know, these hockey days, they, they have a pretty good idea, usually two or three years out, kind of who's in line. Uh, you know, like, for example, Hockey Day 2023 will be announced on Saturday uh, in Mankato. They know who that's going to be. I know who that's going to be. Uh, and they're going to do a great job. But they already have an idea of 2024 and 2025 because Hockey Day now is one of these things where communities are seeking this out. They're getting in touch uh, with the wild, with Bally Sports North, you know, in terms of wanting to host this. And I just remember kind of starting those initial conversations of, I didn't know anyone in the hockey community other than, you know, Mike Hastings and Paul Allen at Minnesota State. So I emailed PA one day, I said, hey, is, you know, is this on the minds of anyone down there? And he said, oh yeah. And so he kind of put me in touch with some people and those conversations started and, and the ball had already sort of been rolling at that point. And my role kind of in all that was just to, like I said, a head cheerleader when, when those conversations would start to dwindle when I would, wouldn't hear from someone for a, a while, I'd just shoot an email and say, Hey, are people still talking about this? Are people, is this still front of mind? And, um, you know, it was, and, and to see it from where it was in, in the fall of 2016, it's just a series of kind of email conversations. Here's what we're thinking. Can you put us in touch with this person? Uh, kind of offering my amateur advice, you know, when asked um, to what it is now. I, I, I honestly, I'm looking forward to this more than I have, I think, anything in my career, just to see the amazing job that everyone down in Mankato has done. Um, it's going to be a lot of work, I think, you know, for me this week, just in terms of covering it and telling stories, it always is. But it's going to be a labor of love because it's going to be so fun to see how this thing has turned into, again, a series of emails and ideas in people's heads into actually being a tangible event that we can we can all attend. And just to see some of the sites, I know like Spring Lake Park, I was on, uh, on some site tours. This must have been 2017 uh, as, as Mankato was trying to get itself in line to host this event. Um, you know, at that point, uh, St. Cloud was upcoming and they knew it was going to Bemidji and Minneapolis was um, in line as well. And they all did fantastic jobs on their events. But, you know, Spring Lake Park was a place where we went out and kind of looked. And it was just a gorgeous setting. But anyone that's been up there or seen pictures of what this is at, at Blakesley Stadium, 
you know, that footprint wouldn't fit at Spring Lake Park as, as beautiful a <laughs> setting as it is and as amazing a job they do for the Anthony Ford Pond Hockey Tournament. Bringing the circus up there just wouldn't have worked. Uh, we went up to Franklin Rogers Park and we looked at there and we, we kind of thought uh, what that would be like. And it just, you know, they, they were a first class two working with the Moondogs. They did a, a great job presenting it, but it just wouldn't have worked out. And Blakesley Stadium was something I, I always kind of was hoping would be um, would be chosen just because it's kind of the, this is the first real kind of stadium series type atmosphere for this event. Uh, these local communities in, in Bemidji, you know, I've been to the ones with the wild in Bemidji, Minneapolis, St. Cloud, um, and Stillwater. And obviously the one last year was very, you know, it was at the Roseville uh, rink at the John Rose thing. So it wasn't, you know, kind of a, a traditional hockey day event, but you can usually get anywhere between 1200 to 1500 people in these makeshift rinks and they, they do a great job, but this is, you know, I, I've heard north of 15, 16,000 tickets have been sold for later this week. Um, I think they're hoping for somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 to 5,000 people uh, for some of these games here later in the week, including the the Minnesota State men's game on Saturday. And that's just, I can't even comprehend what that's going to be like uh, if those numbers you know, come to fruition. I know the weather forecast for the early couple of days is looking a little chilly, but weather looks perfect right now. 20 degrees and, and partly cloudy on Saturday. It really does, Shane. It has the potential to be a special, special day and one where uh, the rich hockey tradition of Southern Minnesota doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And that includes Mankato, but that includes Rochester uh, and other areas down there in, in the 507. Um, the spotlight is finally going to be on Southern Minnesota hockey. And I can't wait. It's going to be a great, great day. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to the local organizing committee who have worked tirelessly absolutely uh, to, to make this happen. And, you know, a, a lot of people uh, have put a lot of work in uh, a lot of hours. What I've seen so far, just, you know, whether they're drone shots flying over Blakesley Stadium, fo you know, photographs outside, lots of pictures on Facebook from friends who have kids who are still in youth hockey. Um, it looks unbelievable. It, it looks amazing. And it does. And you know what? And people have said too, this thing got delayed a year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so I think anyone is going to come in and say, well, they had, you know, when this, this group knocks it out of the park, which, which I'm with you, I think it's going to be incredible. I think it's going to set a brand new bar for hockey days moving forward. They're going to say, well, you know, they had an extra year because of the pandemic. And, and that's true. And I think that maybe allowed this group to sort of tweak a couple of things and add some extra details, but it's not easy when you think about that first year uh, after it was announced, how excited people were back in, what was that? 2020 uh, in Minneapolis when that was, I got so many texts and messages on Twitter from people congratulating me just because I'm a Mankato guy. And they knew <laughs> I'd been sort of beating that drum and carts was there too. And um you know, people were so excited and there was so much early momentum and it's easy when there, when there's momentum like that, when it's the new hip, cool thing that everyone wants and, and it's fresh on everyone's mind, it's easy to go knock on those doors and get sponsors and get businesses and get people in the community to support it. But when it, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic hits in March of that year and it's the furthest thing from everyone's mind for six months, eight months, right. once the news comes out that it's delayed, it's hard to keep that momentum. And to this group's credit, they've managed to not only 
keep that momentum, but to continue building on it in a positive way. And that's why I'm so excited for them that this event is going to be as special as it is. And, and I hope every single one of those folks, uh, you know, with the LOC and the business communities in town, that's done all the work to bring this thing together. I hope they have a chance to really enjoy the fruits of their labor because I know they've been working hard. It's the hardest part. I think anyone who's done any kind of organizing, whether it's uh, something as big as this to something as uh, personal as a, as a graduation party or whatever it might be. Um, sometimes you, you, or a wedding, you know, it might be whatever it might be, you know, being able to enjoy the moment can be difficult yep. because of all the work that went into it. Um, and I would agree with you. I think for those folks, I think having a chance to, to enjoy it is, is, uh, well, and, and think about that. all the, the logistics with this event, Shane. I mean, I have to tell you, I mean, the ice doesn't just show up on its own and, right. you know, developing these relationships within the business community, working with the university, uh, working with the wild, working with Valley sports, North, all the red tape, you know, you think about how stressful it is planning your kid's birthday party or your, sure. your kid's graduation party and all the details that just goes into that. And then imagine doing it on a, a citywide and a statewide scale, bringing in, you know, an NHL organization, a, a television network, a state university, and then having to work within all the stuff and, and going through all the, the things in the community there. I can't imagine just the volume of, emails and meetings and the hours upon hours spent uh, putting this together and hats off to, to the folks down there in Mankato. Um, I, again, can't look, can't look forward to anything. I think more than I'm looking forward to this event here this weekend. Uh, just a couple other things to, to note, uh, not, not only Blakesley stadium, the first kind of stadium type of experience, but first time I believe on a college campus, and of course, first time that actually on hockey day itself, which is Saturday, um, that you will have a division one men's game being played with Minnesota state playing St. Thomas. And I think that adds to the, um, you know, uniqueness and, and how special this is, uh, to this event. I think it's great. Um, I love that it's not only Minnesota state, you know, playing on it, but that it's, uh, St. Thomas, that it's two Minnesota teams. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I go back to those years when, um, you know, there would be, uh, the, the televised games would include, um, you know, the wild maybe playing a home game at six o'clock and then the Gophers playing at Denver or something like that because mm -hmm. of, uh, the way the, the schedule fell, they could, you know, have the time zone difference. And I just, I would always think like, how do you get more Minnesota teams involved? How do you get more, uh, you know, not only how do you get Mankato involved, but how do you get more of the, the state teams involved? And uh, to have Minnesota state who, you know, is one of the top teams in the country, St. Thomas, the newest division one team. Um, I think that, you know, makes things special as well. And uh, it, it should be a lot of fun uh, for everybody. I think. Well, it just goes to show a lot of people, and, and I think it's sort of going this way anyway, that there's more to, you know, college hockey in this state than just the University of Minnesota. With all due respect to the, the history and the championships that that program has won, you know, there's some really, really great college hockey in Minnesota. And think what you want about the conference realignment and breaking up and how it's not as special as it once was. That's a completely different argument. 
But in terms of the strength of college hockey within the state of Minnesota, it's probably never been stronger than it is right now. When you look at Minnesota's, you know, a top 10 team, St. Cloud is one of the best teams in the country. Duluth has won championships. They're one of the best teams in the country. No college program has won more games than Minnesota state over the last 10 years. And, you know, Bemidji state uh, has been to a frozen four in the last decade and a half, uh, you know, won a game in an NCAA tournament last year. And now St. Thomas, which, I don't know about you, Shane, but once they get that arena situation figured out, and it sounds like maybe the wheels are turning a little bit in that regard, uh, you know, with with the Ford Parkway plans, once that gets set up, that program is going to have no problem winning. You know, when you talk to people, uh, you know, within programs, you know, at Minnesota State, at St. Cloud, they will tell you uh, once that arena situation gets figured out and they get a little time to build something, St. Thomas is going to have no trouble winning hockey games and competing at the same level that these other ones are. So you're spot on there. Uh, Herb Brooks would be very proud uh, with the way things are in the state of college hockey right now within the state of hockey and to have two Minnesota teams uh, competing against each other, uh, two programs that I think, you know, maybe fly under the radar a little bit. It'll be good for really everyone. And hopefully all boats will rise because of it. It's going to be a lot of purple out there. That's for sure. There will be a lot of purple. That is, <laughs> that is true. Hey, what are you looking at color though? Yeah. What are you looking forward to most? Uh, what do you, what are you on the lookout for as you kind of roam your old stopping grounds at the Minnesota state university campus and, and watching for uh, all the hockey day activities? You know what? I've been asked this question a couple of times and obviously I'm looking forward to uh, the men's game Saturday and everyone is, um, but sneaky two things that I'm really looking forward to the most, uh, Friday night, the men's alumni game is going to be terrific. And having played in a media floor hockey game with Ryan Carter, uh, <laughs> over the summer at the state fair, um, And I was on the opposite team as Ryan Carter. So I can say this from experience as a guy who played goalie in that game. Uh, It's all fun and games for these guys. We like, we had cards was there, Mark Parrish, Wes Walls, and then a bunch of us out of shape schlubs uh, surrounding those guys. And it's, it's all fun and games and people are laughing and cards is throwing between the legs passes and dangling and doing all that until there's about two or three minutes left in the game. And it's a one goal game. And these guys don't like to lose. And so I'm just telling you, I mean, Carts fired a couple of shots into my nether regions that I did not appreciate. And he just would laugh and smile and giggle. Uh, These guys hate to lose and you can't turn that off. And when you look at some of these guys that are going to be coming back to town, uh, you know, whether it's the Tim Jackman's, whether it's the David Backus, Ryan Carter, Grant Stevenson, Shane Joseph, BJ Abel, you know, all these guys, they don't turn it off. So if that alumni game, like it's going to be fun and guys will be laughing and there won't be much back checking early, but if it's tight late, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple hits take place. Um, so that's one. And then two, the, the MSU women's alumni game uh, on Sunday is, is something I'm really looking forward to probably just as much as the men's game. You know, we talked kind of off the air. Uh, I got my start covering hockey by covering the Minnesota state women's hockey uh, walked into the reporter office one day in the fall of 2003. And I was supposed to cover wrestling. And the guy who was the sports editor said, Hey, you know, my women's hockey writer left. They they're playing a game against Minnesota Duluth at all seasons arena tonight. Do you want to go cover it? And as someone who had never watched a wrestling match in his life, but I'd watched a lot of hockey, like, 
yeah, I'll go do that. And lo and behold, UMD, the uh, three-time defending national champions were in town to play a plucky Minnesota State women's team. Sherry Vogt stood on her head and the Mavericks, you know, capped off a sweep. And that was my, literally my first experience covering hockey. And I covered that Minnesota State women's team for two or three years. That's where I fell in love with writing about hockey, which is obviously what I do now. And so to be able to uh, see some of those girls and some of those ladies back in town, some of those ladies that allowed me to tell their stories, uh, to get a chance to kind of know them off the ice. Uh, that's going to be special for me just as much as probably anything else. Yeah. And, um, if you haven't had a chance to read some of Dan's writing, he did a great story this week about Sherry vote, Sherry Dickerman, uh, the former all American goaltender for the Minnesota state women's hockey team, uh, in the early days of, uh, the Mavericks, uh, now a current, uh, Minnesota state assistant coach and mom of three young hockey players. And did you see the picture that she posted yesterday with uh, the whole crew was out on the ice and she took a picture of all the kids in the back of the van, just completely <laughs> passed out. It was awesome. It's great. How are they going to make the eight day bender, which was the quote of the year, by the way, from <laughs> Cherry vote calling it an eight day bender. That's that hashtag has already taken off. <laughs> you need to get like hockey day sweatshirts like this and just put eight day back. Oh, it's on great. It. It, it's so great. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, she, uh, you know, she's going to put the pads back on for the alumni game. And then she's got to get right into the coaching gear to coach the, the women's game that'll take place after that against St. Thomas. So, well, and she's got a high bar to uh, reach from. If you remember in Bemidji, she was in charge of the, uh, the plaid, like Paul Bunyan purple and black shirts with the, big hats. That was all her. And so I told her last week when I was in town, I said, you got a high bar now that you're hosting. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, that's going to be a busy Sunday for her too. I, I was told she had to sort of be coaxed into putting the pads on normally for these alumni games, they have, you know, 12 to 15 ladies back in town every other year. Or so for these alumni games, and I've been told by some people that she prefers to play out. She doesn't want to put the pads on. That's true. Uh, but she will have the pads on this Sunday and uh, <laughs> that'll be fun. That'll be a cool blast for the past that saw her uh, have just a remarkable career uh, once upon a time down there for the Mavericks. Absolutely. Well, the uh, only lady with her, uh, with her all American banner, by the way, hanging in the, the rafters of the Mayo Clinic health system event center. Did I get that right? That is correct. That is correct. And, and a world-class human being on top Absolutely. of it. So it'll be fun it, to see all those. Women. And that's, what's great. I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, as Ryan Carter said last week and David Backus on the podcast, uh, this thing is like a, a family reunion. There's going to be a lot of people coming back to town, not only for these alumni games, but to, to watch the, the college games, the high school games, uh, just to be part of the atmosphere and, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing you, Dan. That'd be a nice little uh, press box family reunion. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. We got to get Tyler Buckentine down here and <laughs> Mike Sullivan will be, is he, is he feeling better? I know last time I was, yeah, he, he was I, under the weather. I believe he was up at Northern Michigan uh, calling the game right, last good. weekend, which was uh, great to, great to see. So, and then, and, and uh, so he, yeah, he's doing sure, our, Darren, right. Darren Blue will be kicking around kissing babies and, giving hugs too. So that'll be fun. 
it'll be a lot of fun. Dan, I appreciate you joining the podcast this week. This has been a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to uh, hockey day, looking forward to watching how the season plays out. We didn't even talk about the Olympics. We'll have to save that for another time. I think we'll try to get, uh, you know, we'll get back into the, the MSU team as the weeks go on and get some more players and coaches on the pod. But uh, this has been a good couple of weeks with some uh, going back in the, the old time machine a little bit. So thanks, Dan, for joining. Thanks for having me, Freddie. Anytime. Absolutely. All right. This has been the Maverick Hockey Live podcast presented by Duncan. I'm Shane Frederick. We'll see you next time.